Welcome to the Cap City Outfitters Podcast. This is episode 220. Uh, you got Chris and Brian, and this time around we're going to talk about a recent pistol-focused training event we did that focused on target transitions, um, making those happen very quickly while maintaining good um, grip, stance, trigger control, uh, all that other kind of stuff too. Like like shooting a gun. Yeah. We were like shooting guns and stuff. Yeah. It was fun. We shot a lot of rounds. We did. Um, a couple of guys shot 250 to 300 rounds in just a couple hours running some of these drills. Um, so yeah, let's let's run through what we did and some of the cool stuff. Some, yeah. of the, some of the reinforced lessons. I don't think anybody's learning anything new at this point, um, but some reinforced lessons for sure. Yeah, so we started with two targets at 10 yards, about a yard apart, uh, and then a 90 degree turn on the beep. Yep. Um, one headshot per target. Uh, part-time two and a half seconds uh, about a magazine um, on each each side so a magazine facing to the left and then a magazine facing to the right and we go pace up the targets yep um, yeah this was this was interesting yeah we, uh, we did this a couple weeks ago and it was a three second part-time yeah so going to two and a half uh, which if your draws on point like there's a lot of time to work with yeah uh, but you do have to be pretty aggressive with movement and making things happen to hit the two and a half second part time. Yeah. Uh, as a real quick note, the the A zone of the target is the credit card on a USPSA target in the head. This was extended downward vertically from the edges of that credit card size A zone to the neck. So the so the A zone was increased in size by two, two and a half times something like that, yeah. um, basically saying, hey, that would be a good hit on almost no matter who you hit with it or what you hit with it. Um, so with that slightly extended day zone, two and a half second part-time, um, movement, as always. Anytime we add movement to a drill, it takes guys, uh, if they catch on at all during the night, but mm -hmm. it takes guys a little bit of like recognition of um, movement is part of my draw stroke. Can I, can I safely turn 90 degrees, not muzzle anybody, draw the gun? then get the gun pointed downrange. And you can begin your draw stroke yeah. as you're turning or before you turn even, as long as the muzzle's not pointing anywhere other than, than down or downrange. Um, but the movement is always one of those things that everybody kind of soft foots and doesn't get into and doesn't get aggressive about it until they realize they're not making the part-time. And heaven forbid, you know, that's actually in a fight. If you haven't practiced moving aggressively on the range, your body may not have the mechanisms or the neural pathways or the muscle memory or whatever you want to call it to make that aggressive movement. That's why we train the aggressive movement. And it almost seems like it's not a gun kata thing, but it almost feels a little silly to like turn that fast and, but you would, Yeah. you need to, you need to be able to. Um, so when you're out doing some of this stuff, you know, I know that there's some of this that seems you know, a little ballet-ish or a little, you know, whatever, but it's a martial art. There's a lot of things you do aggressively in martial arts that have nothing to do with throwing a punch or a kick. They might just be moving to get out of the way. And this is part of that conversation, whether you're moving to address the target or whether you're moving 90 degrees to get out of the way or get an advantage and just see what's going on visually. Um, and I, I think that's something that gets discounted, it seems like, or it gets viewed as not being quite as important. Um, one of the visual things, reading on some of this stuff, um, I was making a point actually to kind of pregame this as I was standing on the line and, and just like look as, you know, because your head's going to go before your body yeah. goes. Your body's not going to aggressively turn toward a threat in a fight or flight response if your eyeballs haven't been put on a threat or something like that. Um, and, and you can even watch videos of like shit blowing up 
and people still like turning to look at it before they make a decision, it's outside their OODA loop. So they still have to orient, observe and orient and figure out what's going on before they start to decide and act kind of mentality. So the movement becomes super critical at this point. So as you're, you know, figuring out what, what you want to do, the body, you know, the brain and the body are going to connect and do what they're supposed to do. And one of the first things it is, is look at what's going on. So I, I spent some time cheating, looking, you know, turning and looking at the target specific spot on the target where I wanted to go about a third of the way into that, a few, you know, maybe five or 10 reps into that on the first mag. And it makes a big difference visually to kind of drive yeah. that and then drive your feet around. And however you turn, whether you step back to turn or whether you step forward to turn, however you want to look at that. Um, and th this is kind of similar to some stuff we had done previously, but going with the headshots, pushing the part time down, etc. Um, the, I, I think it really pushes the visual aspect of this. Um, but looking at the movement, move like you mean it. It's kind of like, it's the same thing around the draw stroke. When we get back to 50 yards and say, Hey, we're going to do a time shot or a time B eight or whatever. And guys lackadaisically draw the gun because, Hey, I'm at 50 yards. It's all time. Everything you leave on the table, your opponent gets to eat. Yeah. 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 Cool. Yeah. I will say if you're not going to cheat something like this. You know, when that beep goes off, it's a very aggressive shift of the, the head yep. to orient on the target, and that should drive the, the legs around. Yes. Or I, not even not so much the legs, like drives the one hip that's got to rotate. Mm -hmm. uh, so you're only taking one step, yeah. and that should all happen you know, while the, the hands are clearing the cover garment. So we're yeah. talking, yeah. like the movement part in this drill is done in 0 0.3 to 0 0.4 of a second. I don't think you're, I really don't think there's a massive difference in your draw stroke time. I, I yeah, I mean, I, you're not adding, I don't, you're not adding a half a second to your draw stroke yeah. to turn. You might, maybe a quarter second, but not a half. Um, so if you're not, you know, if you see this taking a, your consistent one, five or 2.0 draw stroke up to two or two and a half, move more aggressively, practice getting the head where you want it and having the hip follow it, you know, shoulders and hip follow it. Um, but if you don't practice it, you won't do it quickly more than likely. So like anything else, practice it, practice it, practice it. And it, again, it seems like one of those things that to, to practice, it almost seems like, I don't know, it, it's, I guess it's just hard to get serious about it until you realize that a quarter of a second to a half a second might be an eternity if you need it. Yeah. So we're back to that. You know, I don't want to preach um, having a sub one second draw stroke, but if you can get there, get there. Um, you know, be fast. Yeah, definitely have a sub one five draw stroke. Yeah, from concealment. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that, you know, pretty consistently, everybody was breaking the second shot either a little bit before or right on or maybe just a little bit after the part time. There were a lot of, were there were a lot of like three second, okay. three seconds. Okay. And, um, and again, I think some of that is movement and then I think some of that is being concerned about like refinement of sight picture not being comfortable with your sight picture at on a headshot at 10 yards versus if there's brown behind the dot i'm pressing the trigger and the head gets a little finer than that uh, and, we, and we had a couple guys that were struggling a little bit um with the visual aspect of seeing the sights and i think those were probably the ones that were that three seconds yeah 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 so and that's that's a different conversation from what we were doing for sure yeah cool um but yeah the, I, I like i like this drill because I spent my time doing dry fire for the last couple of weeks. All my time doing dry fire has literally been out of the holster, one shot on a relatively small target or at a significant distance doing dry fire. And I'm talking like if I'm if I'm within 10 feet, then I'm shooting at a light switch at 10 feet. If I'm within 30 feet, then I'm shooting at a light switch plate at 30 feet kind of thing, trying to maintain, maintain 
kind of that A zone mentality or that headshot mentality. Yeah. Um, the other thing I've been practicing a lot, again, is working trigger control at speed and being honest about how much the dot's moving. Um, and I run through that like as a touching the trigger, then I run through that as just off the trigger, and then I run through that as inside the trigger guard, kind of with that mentality. And I'm not spending a boatload of time doing, I'm not spending anywhere near the time I should be spending doing dry fire, but just doing that draw to first shot, um, and then the, then the trigger control at speed. The trigger control at speed keeps you honest on your grip, whereas the drawing and shooting one click on a light switch or something like that may not. And the reason why I say that is because you're trying to keep the dot from moving yeah. a significant amount with trigger control at speed. And so I think they kind of back each other up. So the dry fire aspect of this, I could tell when we started punching, because I'm like, hmm, let's see how long this takes, because I'm running a, a new little gun, a 365XL, um, with an optic on it. And because it's a smaller gun, it's like, okay, it's new to me and it's small. How fast can I do this? And I was, I think I was pretty consistently at at or under two five. I don't think I had very many that were over, yeah. unless I just got like a handful of short draw on the gun or something, which is, again, another failure point for me to work on. So, yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah, we did this. That um, we did what three rounds of this. We yeah. shot this a bunch. Yeah, we shot a lot. Uh, and then from there, we set up set up a distance change up style setup. Uh, we had two targets at five yards about a yard apart horizontally and mm -hmm. then a target at 10 yards that would have been between or was between the two close targets. Yeah. Uh, so the initial runs were two, two shots to the body on each of the close targets and then shooting the far target. I think those were headshots. Yeah. Yeah. So going, it's kind of a, you know, go really fast up close and then be able to slow it down and do we need to do to send a pair into the heads at 10 um this was this was pretty interesting yeah and you know and again guys at five yards um you know again i'm shooting a new gun a gun that's new to me that's relatively small um i'm right around a thousand rounds into that gun now um it, it, at five yards that, that's that's like confirmation zero yeah <laughs> i mean there's really it's not even it's not even confirmation half i mean you know you've got enough reps on the gun now i've got enough dry fire practice getting out of the holster that i can punch out and hit the a zone pretty much no big deal they might not be two inch apart double taps but but they're in the a zone pretty consistently um going fast uh it, but then going to the long range target 10 yards we've been shooting headshots at 10 yards so it wasn't a big deal what i did find um, is is because of the reps, because of the trigger control at speed, practice and and practice and smushing the grip really hard with the offside hand, um, staying loose in the shoulders, trying to take tension out of the conversation. If I did all that stuff, the two shots at ten yards, even on the head, maybe weren't quite a double tap, but but they were right there. And we had some guys running that drill pretty fast. Um, I think with that mentality. Yeah that are guys that are using this, again, this kind of more modern method that we've been preaching about. So um, I, I don't, I didn't see the timer, so I don't know what the times actually were for the guys running it fast versus the guys chasing. Yeah, we had set a four second part time for this drill. Yeah. And the guys chasing it were definitely, I would say closer to like under three and a half, maybe closer to three. Yeah. Um, I mean, it yeah. was, it was spicy. Yeah, the goal is kind of to be done with the two close targets, probably in under two five. Yes. And then you were getting on the far target as quickly and as hard as you possibly could. Yeah, and I and I, and like I said, and I do think that like 
if you talk about that one and a half second draw stroke, two, you know, a half a second to engage, your one and a half seconds to the first shot, and then a quarter shot, a quarter second to that shot, a quarter second to transition, and then two shots in a, another quarter second ish kind of thing. You know, that gives you a lot of time to chase three, three and a half seconds on yeah. that 10 yard, especially when you've just been doing it the first shot in under two anyway. If you were running the other drill in under two seconds, um, you know, that yeah. kind of mentality, uh, or running that other drill under two and a half, you were likely right around that anyway. So the transition point to get those headshots was like, oh, okay, I've done this. I've been doing this for the last bunch of mags. Um, the transition to that was, was, it was pretty speedy for most guys. Yeah. Everybody was running up pretty quick, and the hits were all there. Um, you know, there were there was a there was a mic here and there, but in general, the hits were all there. Yeah, yeah. There, when when we were done, there was there wasn't there. We there probably should replace. There was a lot of pace. Yeah, there targets was, were mostly pasters. Yeah, the the center zones were mostly pasters. So and that's usually a pretty good indicator that everybody's doing what they should be doing. So um, we ran a lot of versions of that. Yeah. So then we do. We're doing what three three versions exactly like that, and then we were shooting the close target, the far target, a close target, yeah, for three runs, and then we kind of go paste everything up. Yep. Uh, so doing that was a little bit, you know, kind of again that shift from going really fast to slowing down just enough to do the work yeah. and make the hits, uh, but still pushing the pace, and then getting back up to going really fast on the close targets again. Yeah. Uh, that ability to change gears and kind of shift between, you know, probably a confirmation two on the far target, mm -hmm. um, and then be able to go back to, you know, confirmation one or confirmation zero, and absolutely run doubles on the on the close targets. Yeah, and and again, you know, if you're looking at holding on to the target and holding everything tight, um, you know, driving that driving that offhand onto the gun hard. And then letting your right side finger, or for me, my strong side, right side finger, stay loose. Um, you know, getting the the headshots were the headshots at five yards were doubles. Yeah, I don't think we did shoot much headshots at five. We yards? did a couple runs. We did a couple okay. runs with headshots at, with, that that were all headshots straight through. Um, and I chose to run a couple of them as headshots straight through as two on some of the other drills because I'm stupid and can't follow directions. But that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> um, but I mean, the, but the headshot, you know, like I said, you're still talking about like a basically a five by five square, yeah. And and pressing headshots off again, confirmation zero or, or a confirmation half, chasing one maybe. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it it's more than doable if you're doing everything else right. But for me, I was I felt like I was able to stay loose, and that's really what lets me drive the trigger fast. Everything else just is starting to come natural with that little gun. So I think I'm getting used to it, or she's getting used to me, one way or the other. Maybe both. Maybe, maybe both. So we'll go with both. So, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. So we we ran that a number of times. What else did we do? Because we did some other things at the end because we were yeah. kind of having fun. I think everybody was kind of digging. Uh, yeah. At one point, we just ran Mozambique on all there three we go. targets. Yeah, the Moz. Yeah. Uh, which you know we haven't done that. We haven't shot Mozambiques in quite a while. Yeah. Um, but that was another one of those interesting. You know, going really fast and then kind of just riding the recoil or controlling the recoil for the third shot on each target. Yep. Um, yeah, I mean, on that far target, it was really, you know, how much can you get away with confirmation half or do you need confirmation one? Yeah. Or do you really, like, is it really important to let the dot fully settle before you send the third shot? Yes. Um, yeah, that was, like, the, the two close targets were really there kind of just to mess up with your grip. Yep. Because uh, you're... You know, you're, you're shooting six rounds, and then you got to shoot the far target. Mm -hmm. 
Um, but yeah, the, there's a lot of lessons to be learned on that far target at 10 yards. I would agree with that. I, I didn't see a lot of grip breakdown. Um, I, I if, if anybody was going to have a grip failure, they had it on the draw. Yeah. Because the draw didn't come out well, and they were trying to manage that at speed and make that whatever adjustments. Definitely happened to me a couple of times. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and again, good test going nine full rounds, you know, to see where your grip's at, especially when the last target's close or further than the, the close two targets. Um, definitely pushed things and made it more challenging. That was a lot of fun also to the, the Mozambique in theory should be a vertically strung triple. And it should be like a, you know, almost a center mass, a high center mass or high A zone. So mid A zone, high A zone. And then the third shot, like I said, if you're letting the recoil ride up, should go to the snot locker or someplace like that uh, for the third round. And if you trying to do that while you're all tensed and turtled up, ends up with things not being smooth or fast or necessarily accurate to some extent too because if you're mashing the crap out of the trigger on the shots things go sideways yeah. and then you have to get the headshot uh, versus if you're relaxed and the gun's just kind of riding where it's supposed to go um, those became very smooth and very fun I was I was digging that aspect of it and the failure drill too Mozambique for those of you that that, that don't know need two shots to the chest one to the head um, essentially a body armor failure drill. You shoot something twice, it's wearing armor, and it doesn't really react much to it. Go for the snot locker and go from there. Um, you know, and that's, it's kind of old-timey, but it's one of those old-timey things that probably works more than it doesn't as long as you make your hits, right? So, yeah. 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 Um, I enjoyed that especially because the sequence of getting lots of rounds on a target and moving quickly and feeling like, okay, if I had to service bad guys in the real world, it would be a lot more comfortable to know that I put two or three rounds on a bad guy before I moved to his buddy, as far as the confidence and hoping that bad guy A is not getting back up off the ground to come back after me while I'm dealing with bad guy B. Right. I think that's kind of one of the points of this drill. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or the idea, you know, a lot of times when we have multiple targets, we look at it as the bad guys move to wherever the second target is. True. So we, yeah. we're shooting the bad guy, he's moving, we're shooting him again because mm -hmm. uh, we're able to track him to where he's gone. Yeah, and statistically, that's way more likely to look at targets like that. When you have a multiple array of targets, is not necessarily, you know, I'm I'm fighting all of Hell's Angels or something like that at one time. It's it's that I'm I'm the one dude is moving and needs to still be serviced mentality. Huh. Yeah, that's it, serviced. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Um. What did we have to work into? There was a phrase we had to work into the podcast. Crap. Oh, if if you if you shoot like you're you're in the the yeah, Chris Costa wants his stance back, turtle post, and you wear a red shirt, we will call you Raphael. You are yeah. So so there are a couple of things that you're if you're shooting from the eighties, you may want to not wear red clothing to the range. Or um, or purple or blue or orange. orange. <laughs> Or yellow or whatever Absolutely. the other turtle wore. Yes, yeah, yeah. That's something that we're one of one of our one of our guys is uh, is old school and he's he's working he's working he's working he's working hard. But we started off with those reminders and pushed that really hard. And so um, so, but he was wearing a red shirt and was dubbed Raphael for the night. So yeah, um, you know, get a little more vertical, a little more natural in your body position, a little more able to move. Um, keep those shoulders, that back, and those arms loose. Um, you know, the only thing really with a lot of tension probably is that weekend, smashing the shit out of your grip, and everything else should be pretty laid back. You know, yeah. you, you got to let it do. Like, yeah, like focus, it. focus your vision really hard. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I will say that was kind of a challenge. I was on 
not much sleep and had been at the racetrack all day. Yeah. Um, trying to do the target focus thing. I don't know if my sunglasses were smeary or I was just tired, but yeah, doing, there was a lot of times I saw blue painter's tape Yeah. and really had to, to force my eyes to do what they needed to do. Yeah. Uh, so that was kind of, I won't, I won't say eye opening. Yeah. Uh, but it was, it was rather enlightening to go, okay, like I can still do this. I just have to make it work. Yeah. Um, there's maybe a little bit of extra mental effort to say, like, no, like do the target focus thing. Yeah. Um, force yourself to do force, the work. Force me to do it. Yeah. Um, and if, so the, the, the other part of that, like I kind of noticed this shooting the headshots initially because I had groups that were, I don't know what, two inches to the right or where they should have been yeah. at 10 yards. Yeah. Uh, and then was kind of missing some rounds, um, but everything was pushed to the right. Yeah. And I like the dot was centered. So we checked the dot. The dot was zeroed. Yeah. Uh, you know, if you are shooting heads and you're not 100% confident and be able to put them where you want them to be or you're pushing the part time, uh, taking just a great big piece of white paper and putting, you know, behind the target so you can see where, you know, errant headshots are going, I yeah. think is pretty valuable. If you, if you, pardon the crudity of the phrase, but if you basically 69 a couple, uh, I'll, I'll, flip it to white and put it behind yeah. the brown and flip it upside down. It gives you a nice big surround that's probably going to tell you what's going on if you offset those a little bit. Um, and running a target like that is a great way to see what's going on. Some of the drills too, you know, there's some stuff that we've done in the past where you're back at significant distance. And if you're using like a B8 paster, um, you know, it, this, the, you know, and I'll never want to tell somebody, you know, you, you, you know, well you, well, you should know where your gun shoots. Okay, cool. In a perfect world, that's fine. But if it's a new gun or you haven't shot that gun at 25 or 50 yards or this, that, or the other, sh shit happens and stop wasting ammo. Put something up bigger behind your target so you're not wasting ammo and, and fix it and then practice it once it's fixed. Fighting a non-zeroed gun or fighting something like that, fighting your equipment is, is not doing you any good training. You're not learning anything from it except to prepare better. Yeah. And life happens, you know, so for none of us are technically professionals at arms at this point, you know, so that's, we take it seriously though. So try and show up with your poop in a group, but if, if not stop and, and square your stuff away and then go mm -hmm. from there. So no biggie. Yeah. Also yeah. say, you'd be able to read the target and know that, okay, these, these things are not hitting exactly where I'm expecting them to, yep. uh, and having it, you know, a tight enough group. To be able to read that is kind of important too. Yes. Yeah, because if you're somebody um, who can call your shots and things aren't going where they're supposed to, then you know you got something to fix. So, yeah. and that's what, exactly what happened. So, because for you, it looked like everything was the way it was supposed to look, but it wasn't working. So yeah. it's like, hey, let's stop and fix this right now. Yeah. Yeah. So, cool. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure what else I have to. Yeah, I mean, there, like I said, this is a lot. You know, if it, it's, it's you know, it sounds like the fundamentals kind of repeat themselves. That's exactly what's happening here. Um, is that we are, you know, the fundamentals are repeating themselves for sure. So, yeah, yeah. A lot of it's just you know getting out, doing it. Um, I will say, setting aggressive part times mm -hmm. um, forces a lot of other lessons to be learned. Yeah, uh, like the aggressive movement, um, like really forcing the draw stroke to happen quickly. Uh, you know, if we'd set a three second part time or a three and a half second part time on the first drill, there's there's an ability to be lackadaisical and still make you know make the part time versus having a pretty aggressive part time that forces you to do everything in a hurry. Yeah, having and do it correctly. Having more time allows you to not do things right. 
Yeah. I mean, that's just a simple fact. I mean, if you don't have a solid grip, but you've got all the time in the world to press the shots off, then it's not going to matter and it's not going to show up versus when you push yourself and you have to have everything be perfect to make the part time, then, and you don't, then you start being able to diagnose what it is you're doing because you're pushing yourself hard enough. And we talk a lot about like training at, you know, training at maximal, you know, whatever, whether it's maximal weight, maximal speed with a gun, maximal weight in the gym, whatever. You know, nobody really trains at at 100 or 110 percent all the time. It's something that you test yourself to occasionally. And I think that setting an aggressive part time in general, if you're beating the part time, then you were probably at 80 or 90 percent. Yeah. Right. You weren't at 100 percent because 100 percent is right on the edge of what can you do consistently and 100 percent consistently versus 100 percent on a good day is a different thing. Yeah. So call I'm calling that I'm calling 100 percent on a good day, 90 percent. Because yeah. what if it's a bad day and you couldn't get it? So that kind of mentality. <laughs> so we're you know we're essentially training at eighty or ninety percent with aggressive part times, and if you set those part times to that, what is the edge of human performance? Maybe it's beyond what you can do. You back off of that a little bit. That's maybe your true hundred percent on a good day, and then you back off a little bit of that, and that's where you should be running hard and getting the reps in at that ninety percent, ninety, eighty to ninety percent, or whatever, yeah. and then occasionally stepping it up and going, okay, well now let's speed it up. Oh poop. No, I really got to bear down. Cool. But yeah. you're consistent. What your best is consistently is the only best that matters. Got to be be- your best on a bad day. So, yeah. yeah. And, I, I, and I feel like those numbers, they push people to really focus and do everything just right. Because otherwise you're, like I said, you can get away with a lot if you've got extra part-time. Yeah. Look at quals. Any qual out there. You got all day in the world, right? So you got guys yeah. who go out and almost as a joke will go shoot a duty gun qual with a snubby. A duty rifle qual with a snubby and stuff like that. Well, that gives you a lot of forgiveness. So speed it up and push yourself a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Uh, on that note, you can follow us along on social media, uh, on Instagram at Cap City Outfitters 2, and on Facebook at Cap City Outfitters. Um, on our website, capcityoutfitters.com, you can find information such as how to do an FFL transfer or how to purchase a suppressor via our storefront over at silencershop.com. Also on the website, you can sign up for our email newsletter that comes out on Fridays or drop us an email to info at capcityoutfitters.com. And then we're here in Hilliard, Ohio. We're at 4465 Cemetery Road. We are in front of the Aldi's. We're next to Louis Fusion Grill. We're here Tuesday through Friday, uh, 10 to 5, and then Saturdays 10 to 3. And we look forward to seeing you soon. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Appreciate it.